With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast for your Detroit Lions. This is Pride of Detroit, the SB Nation blog for the Detroit Lions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. And with me as most of the time is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm sorry my attendance hasn't been well, but uh, yeah, I want to be better. Kind of like the Detroit Lions. Well, we'll get there. It's early. It's early. You just have to wait. Totally analogous to the Detroit Lions season. <laughs> yes. Anyways, you can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore POD. You can follow me at, at Detroit Online. And this week we do have someone from the opposing viewpoints to help us preview the Lions versus Niners week two matchup. Uh, on the line with us is the not only the quote-unquote head ball coach of Niners Nation, but he's also an NFL producer over at SB Nation. David Fuchillo joins us. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. You we know, could be better. We could be a little bit better, but, you know, time heals all, I suppose, and three three days, I guess, is enough. Uh, let, let's get right into this because uh, the Niners are one of the more interesting teams this season. I think a lot of people thought they might be a really good team. A lot of people probably still do think that. I don't think a, a week one loss to the Vikings is necessarily going to deter some people that, from that. So let's get into it, David. Tell me about the, the 49ers offseason. Um, a lot of different moves. I want to start on the offensive line because there's a there was a lot of movement there. Um, tell me about the state of the offensive line now and, and some of the bigger moves they made in the offseason. Well, it was it was certainly a busy offseason for the offensive line. Uh, they have four new starters uh, on the line. Joe Staley is the only returning one. Um, at this point, they <sighs> sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, they. Started the offseason by dra- or signing Weston Richburg, uh, former Giants center. Uh, then they uh, ended up uh, drafting Mike McGlinchey, right tackle out of Notre Dame. And then shortly after that, they traded away uh, Trent, Trent Brown, their right tackle from last year. Uh, they welcomed back Josh Garnett from injury. Um, Lakin Tomlinson was added once the season began last year. So it's a whole new group. Um, this week, actually, pertinent to this game is uh, the fact that both Josh Garnett and Mike Person, who the 49ers signed away from the uh, the Colts, both of them are dealing with foot injuries and may not play. So Najee Turan, who 
opened the year on the practice squad, uh, has a good chance of starting at right guard this year. Or I'm sorry, this week. So give give me your your overall impressions on on this unit. Um, maybe their week one performance, how they performed in the preseason. Are you confident in them? Are they kind of better at pass blocking, run blocking? Where are their strengths and weaknesses uh, so far from what you've seen? I think pass blocking is probably a little bit better at this point. Uh, the 49ers run game has been a question mark at best. It didn't help that they lost Jarek McKinnon for the year. Right. Uh, they've got Alfred Morris and Matt Bray to start in there. But I would say pass blocking for the time being in part because well in part because of the you know the physical skill of the offensive line you've got four former first round picks along the line but also just uh the game planning that Cal Shanahan puts in is is able to really i think create uh opportunities for Jimmy Garoppolo and uh i, I think i'd be remiss not to ask uh, a little bit more about the former lion on that offensive line and that's obviously Lakin Tomlinson um how's he been in uh just a, a, almost a year now with the 49ers yeah, I mean, they traded for him right around roster cuts last year. Uh, he's okay. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing spectacular. Yeah. He is, you know, he puts in a workmanlike effort. Um, he's he's good enough. I, 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 you know, I can't really be effusive in my praise, but he he is good enough to to fill the spot to kind of settle down that that left side there at left guard. And and you know, you've got Joe Staley to his left and Weston Richburg at center to his right. So you've got some solid options around him which which i think can help compensate if he struggles the 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 thing that was always great about lake and tomlinson i met him at taste of the lions and i'm not trying to uh play the name game and and sound the sound the alarm but uh one of the nicest guys so it's like really hard to hate lake and tomlinson even though like how average he is um so maybe you might run into that situation in san francisco but you alluded to the running backs earlier and a lot of offseason turnaround on running backs. Carlos Hyde, who had admittedly probably one of his better seasons, if not his best season last year as a pro. Um, but they switch him out for Jarek McKinnon, who they, you know, definitely paid paid money for to be their lead back with his injury now. And now you're kind of in flux with Matt Breida and Alfred Morris, which is super sad. <laughs> What is the state of the the running back game going forward? Like, is it going to be by committee? Is it going to be, you know, uh, every week it's going to be a different lead guy? How do you see that kind of shaking out? Yeah, it's entirely a committee approach at this point. Um, I think this past week, Morris had 34 touch or had 34 snaps and Brita had 30. I think Brita had 11 carries, Morris had 12. Uh, you're going to see them mix and match. I mean, Alfred Morris is, is very much just a north-south running back. You're getting him the ball, rushing. He's not, you know, there's not a lot more to it than that. Whereas Matt Breda, ours a little more in the passing game. He struggled at times last year. He was he ranks pretty low in uh, some of the advanced metrics as a pass-catching running back, but he is better at it than Alfred Morris because the bar is low. Uh, so I think those are the two guys you're looking at kind of, you know, to alternate carries. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, is actually the guy to watch in the passing game. He was brought in as a – John Lynch described him as an offensive weapon, uh, which I suppose is how they justified making him the highest-paid fullback twice over. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, I mean, hey, I, you know, whatever. He, he's, he's a great ball – he's a great pass catcher. I will give him that. He's a guy that they can use uh, in the traditional fullback position, split out wide in a tight end role. He, he's very versatile. So in the, if you see him out there – Outside of you know that that traditional I formation fullback role, he's, he's there's a good chance they're going to be looking at him in the passing game. 
And and if I'm not mistaken, he was the beneficiary of my favorite route in the world, the wheel route, and they had a 56 yarder uh, against the Vikings. Is that right? Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact total, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those where they sent him out there and nobody was covering him at all. I, I think, you know, you see the fullback running out and you're like, oh, they're not going to throw it deep to him. <laughs> but uh, there's at least one or two plays last year where the same thing happened, where he gets out on that wheel route. And I, I'm guessing it doesn't happen this week just because it just happened, but he gets open on that wheel route and there's just nothing but daylight for, you know, for 20 yards in front of him. All right, let's, uh, let's move on over to the defense. Um, not a ton of additions for a team that was, you know, just kind of mediocre or, you know, even bad by by some metrics. They were 26 in DVOA. Um, but obviously the biggest signing maybe of the entire team is Richard Sherman. Um, how has he looked so far in camp? Um, I know a lot of people are concerned about him coming off an Achilles up there in age. Uh, does it look like he's lost a step so far? I mean, he's definitely a little bit slower. Uh, that's, but he, the, the thing is, speed was never his game, really. Uh, right. It was more about getting physical at the line and slowing guys down before you have to actually turn on the speed. Uh, I pray to God in two weeks he's not covering Tyreek Hill. Uh, <laughs> that, that just won't end well. But, no, you know, I mean, he is the most high-profile signing. Uh, he's, he's still a name. Uh, last week he was targeted three times by Kirk Cousins. Uh, Cousins completed one pass for 18 yards against him, but otherwise really didn't look his way too much. You know, I think there was one play where Sherman got a you know, definitely got handsy. And, you know, last year or any previous year with the Seahawks, 49ers fans would have lost it. But, you know, hey, once he's on your team, it's not holding anymore. <laughs> so, you know, he's solid. Uh, I think it he's going to be tested more. I've got to think that you're going to see teams test him more and more as the season moves along. Um, but you know, that's, I mean, so far so good. He, he's not a fast guy, but that's just, you know, like I said, that's kind of, that's not his game. I have to say, I, I think I'm a little bit offended that you're already looking ahead to Kansas city, but I kind of understand it at the same time. Oh no, no, I, <laughs> no, I, 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 it's funny when, uh, you know, when you kind of go back and look at his film from the first game and you see that again, he's not, you know, he was getting beat downfield pretty easily. And the, you know, looking at the 49 schedule, I mean, obviously, you guys have a, a plethora of, of solid wide receivers. It's uh, I was watching that game last week with Tate, uh, Marvin Jones, and Galladay. And that's, I mean, assuming, you know, uh, Matt Stafford doesn't get killed behind the offensive line, that, you know, that's, that's you know, if he can get the ball in, that's a great trio. But when it comes to speed, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just on another level. Absolutely. absolutely. Oh, yeah. And the Lions don't Ty- really Tyreek have Hill. like that. Yeah, Tyreek Hill is a supernova unto himself. I'm the biggest Patrick Mahomes fan in the entire world, so um, if you want to jump on that bandwagon with me too, you can you can come right along. But aside from the 49ers, you know their back end in terms of their their secondary, which admittedly seems pretty solid. I was a big fan of uh, uh, Akella Weatherspoon coming out of Colorado. Thought that was a great pick. But their front seven seems like it has the potential to be one of the better units in the NFL. And even with last week's kind of like, you know, his debut, Fred Warner um, out of BYU, that, that was a guy that was kind of slid under the radar for, for, a, for a draft pick. How, how did you think Warner performed in his debut? And, and maybe a little bit about the where you think the 49ers, you know, front seven in general can go because DeForest Buckner is going to be a, a guy that the Lions are going to have to look out for all, all Sunday as well. Yeah, no, I mean, Fred Warner had a great game. Uh, in college, he played sort of that Deion, Deion Buchanan sort of, you know, money backer role, whatever you want to call it, where he's got, you know, he's got some size, but he's also got the speed. So he's kind of, you know, that hybrid linebacker safety role. Um, mm-hmm. He played a lot in coverage. They had, a, you know, at BYU, I forget. I, I, it was a nickelback type of role, but I can't remember the exact name of it. But basically, 
they don't have that role anymore because he was the only guy that could fill it. And so you've automatically, you know, he's a coverage guy right off the bat, but there were some concerns about his size in terms of, of his physicality, but he looked great last week uh, in terms of just, you know, in terms of getting down to make tackles. He led the team in tackles in his first game. Uh, I'm just, I mean, you guys won't get to see Ruben Foster this week because of his suspension, but he'll be back next week. And Good. fans are re- exactly. Fortnite <laughs> fans are really excited to see uh, Fred Warner and Ruben Foster together because that's that. I mean, it's hard, you know, at this point, at this stage of it, to really compare them to Patrick Wilson, Navarro Bowman. But you know, the Forty ers have have been lucky when it comes to linebackers, and this could be the next, you know, next big duo. I'm I'm curious a little bit more about Fred Warner because I I just saw Brian Baldinger. He posted a kind of a seven or eight uh, snap clip of him. Um, he, he's essentially playing middle linebacker at this point. Yeah, he's the Mike linebacker right in the middle. He's the one calling the plays. Um, he's he's you know he's a very smart dude. Um, but that's that's been the plan all along was for him okay. to, to to learn that role. I'm you know I think if if Ruben Foster had not been suspended and Malcolm Smith had not gotten hurt, I I think it might have been a little bit different. But yeah. at the same time, you know Ruben Foster is more instinctual and more just like I I am a heat seeking missile going for the tackle. Whereas I think Fred Warner, I you know cerebral is a cliche, but there there's a certain it sounds it sounds like and this is you know the, it, it, there's still a lot we don't know about him, but it seems like he's got that you know that eye for the game that that you want out of that middle linebacker. All right, last thing we're going to talk about before we get into specific matchups, uh, let's talk about the 49ers uh, wide receiver crew because on paper, um, the names don't jump out as, as familiar guys, but second-round pick Dante Pettis had a pretty good debut. Tell me about the state of the, the 49ers wide receivers. Are, are they better than some people uh, expect? Yeah, I think it's a very underrated unit. Uh, Pierre Garcon is is a very solid cable receiver. I mean, he's not a number one at this point in his career, and he never really was like that really clear cut, you know, AJ Green number one. But he is a solid, you know, he's a solid guy that will catch, you know, great on third downs, gonna be able to catch the ball. Uh, Marquise Goodwin's their number two. Uh, we can get into him a little bit more a little bit later. He's uh, he's injured this week with a thigh bruise, so there's a chance he won't play. But um, after four years in Buffalo where he was viewed as kind of just a go-route guy, I mean, he literally is an Olympic athlete and, and uh, an Olympic track athlete, so there's always that thought that, oh, he's just, you know, a guy that's going to run really fast down the field. Last year after Garcon got hurt, uh, he really got a big opportunity, and once Jimmy Garoppolo came in, kind of, you know, he was on pay. He was he had a shot at a 1,000-yard season before a concussion in his last week, but he's, you know, he's developing well. Uh, you mentioned Dante Pettis. He had a solid game last week. Uh, he's a great route runner who kind of a little unconventional isn't, you know, isn't going to run a, you know, very traditional looking routes, but it's enough to get him open, get deep, get behind defenders. Um, the guy that's in, that I think is, is always interesting is Trent Taylor. Uh, the 49ers drafted him last year. I think it was a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, he is a little guy. He's like five, eight, five, nine, not a big guy, but he is, great on third downs he's you know it's funny when he was drafted um when they've talked to him he always gets compared to julian edelman danny amadola every other white receiver every other white wide receiver that's ever played right um but but and, and he i mean he has that you know the 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 cliche gritty work you know lunchbox <laughs> guy whatever you want you know pick your pick your your pft commenter cliche but He's a guy that really – I mean, he did a great job on third down last year. He was among the best in the league um, in, in converting third down. So he's a guy that you kind of he, – he plays almost exclusively in the slot, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. Great. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about matchups. We're going to talk about predictions. We're going to see if the Lions can at least not embarrass themselves this week. So stick stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, first bite is back. We are here to preview week two, Lions versus 49ers. And now it's time to get into matchups to talk about both teams. Now that we know enough about the 49ers, let's start right here on the offensive line for the Lions versus the Niners defensive line because this matchup scares the crap out of me. Not going to lie. We have TJ Lang injured on the very last play of the game, misses the last game. Uh, he's probably out. He's missed the first two practices. I, I don't want to – they haven't, you know, given him necessarily designations, whether he's probable or probable is not even a thing anymore. Questionable or doubtful, but I think it's fair to say he's going to be one or the other, probably doubtful. Um, and then you have the 49ers defensive line, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner coming with two and a half sacks last week, Rick Armstead. Uh, someone tell me that I'm wrong, that the Lions will somehow be able to manage this matchup because it looks like a mess on paper. It's not I mean, going to be me. Honestly, <laughs> I, you know, as the 49ers fan here, I'm going to say, no, you can't. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the 49ers, it's interesting. They had problems last year where Elvis Dumerville was their leading sack guy last year, which, I mean, he still has something left in the tank. But when Elvis Dumerville at this stage of his career was, you know, a year away from retiring as your top guy, that's just not ideal. And so... They actually did not address the edge rusher situation. They signed Jer- Jeremiah Adachu and cut him in training camp. Um, they extended Cassius Marsh, uh, but really didn't do much else. And instead, they're relying on the fact that they spent three straight first-round picks on defensive linemen. Uh, Eric Armstead in 2015, uh, DeForest Buckner in 2016, and Solomon Thomas in 2017, going for that Pac-12 love. And, uh, you know, I, I think I've been, I've been following the TJ Lang thing for a while, all, all week long because – I just got to think um, that could get ugly. If they've got, you know, I know, I forget, they what, Ragnall plays center, right? Left guard. Left guard. Okay, well, either way, the two the two guards are going to be a big question mark for this one, at least as far as I'm foreseeing it. And I, I you know, it's funny. DeForest Buckner, uh, really, last year he led defensive tackles, I think, in quarterback hits. It's either hits or hurries, one or the other. Um, he actually led all defensive tackles, including Aaron Donald in that. Um, he struggled closing the deal, and so seeing him get those two and a half sacks really got people fired up. And it's funny during uh, during the offseason workout program, there was some joking going around that his teammates had nicknamed him uh, Depoy, D P O Y, Defensive Player of the Year. 
Oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, the matchup is there. I mean, this is, you know, he, the opportunity is there for him to to build on that. Uh, it's interesting. Eric Ar- Solomon Thomas was the most recent first round pick of that group, but Eric Armstead has never been able to stay healthy. But when he's on the field, um, I, you know, Pro Football Focus has their good and their bad, but their pass rush, uh, their pass rush efficiency stats. Eric Armstead has always ranked really well in those when he has played. The problem is he gets hurt every year, so he's healthy for now. And I actually, I mean, Forrest Buckner is the big name, but Armstead is the guy to, is the guy to keep an eye out for this weekend. You, you said that the 49ers really didn't address their edge rusher, you know, situation in the offseason. Let the Lions say, hold my beer, because the <laughs> Lions also did not really do that this offseason. So um, not too much to worry from that side. So let, let's talk about, yeah, let's let, let's flip it around here. The the Lions defensive line versus the 49ers offensive line. They they It seems like the 49ers may have some weaknesses in the middle. Um, spoiler alert, the Lions will not be able to take advantage of that. Uh, where, where do you, where do you, I mean, potentially it looks like Ezekiel Ansa might play. Do you think that the Lions maybe might have a little bit of a chance to take advantage of the side that McGlinchey lines up on? Because it seems like Joe Staley is kind of just about, um, as solid as a, as a left tackle will be in the NFL. Do you think that maybe the Lions can scheme around and get some pressure on McGlinchey's side? What have you really noticed from him so far off season first game? Yeah. I mean, McGlinchey is, you know, I think he's a guy with a high floor, Solid ceiling, but again, he's a rookie who now has one game under his belt, half of which was played at right guard because of injuries. Um, but yeah, no, he is he is the guy that that I would think they would want Anson to go after. And assuming Anson plays, that's you know McGlinchey will he'll win some battles, he'll lose some battles. I remember uh, the 49ers had joint practices with the Houston Texans, and so he got to go up against JJ Watt a few times. And same thing, you know, he had a couple where he just you know where Watt just embarrassed him, and then he had a couple where he held his own. Um, I think it would be kind of, you know, I, I won't, you know, I don't know but who who will necessarily win more, but at the very least, Anson would have a chance to win. You know, it'd be a 50-50 shot. And so if he plays, I got to think that's the way, that's where you're going to find success is on that against the right tackle. And, 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 do you, and do you think that the 49ers, I mean, do you think that with their offense kind of as is, the you know, Jarek McKinnon out for the season, do you think it's going to be a week-by-week thing where, you know, maybe the 49ers – 49ers were you know they'll run the ball a little bit more this week against the Lions defensive line take advantage of that or maybe you know throw the ball a little bit more the Lions secondary hasn't played too well what I'm saying is the Lions defense is bad how do you think the 49ers offense is going to take advantage of it well I you know I I think yes they're you know sure I think we'll see some running I mean last week what they had uh 23 carries between their two running backs I don't think you'll ever see much more than that from this group um I think, you know, George Kittle, their tight end is a guy that, that they're going to use a lot in the short passing game. I just think that you, you're not going to, you know, Dante Pettis will be their deep threat, and especially if Marquise Goodwin can't play. But you're just going to see a lot of those short to middle passing routes or, pa- you know, passing plays to, to really just kind of pepper away at it. And, you know, Matt Breda averaged a little about four yards a carry. Uh, Morris averaged three yards a carry. They're, you know, you're, you're going to have to establish the run game. But honestly, I that – that is not where they're going to win this game, I don't think. It's interesting you bring that up because I feel like the Jets kind of peppered the Lions defense in the same way where they just kind of, especially early on in the game, they were, you know, picking up four yards on first down, another five on on second down, then being nice third and short situations. Um, I definitely see that kind of working its way out in this game as well. In fact, Glover Quinn said that 
the the uh, 49ers offense is, is very much like the Jets offense uh, in, in scheme. Um, I guess my question here, though, is the Lions got hit on a bunch of big plays also kind of later in that game, which kind of blew it up uh, late. My question is, who who's the 49ers essentially number two back? Because I'm scared shitless about who who Nevin Lawson is going to be covering in this game. Obviously, Darius Slay <laughs> is going to lock down whoever he's going to be lined up against. But I don't know who Nevin Lawson is going to be against, but I'm sure they're going to have a big game. Um, you know, that's that's where it gets interesting. If uh, <clears throat> if I mean, Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon would be your one and two in some order, but Goodwin is dealing with a deep thigh bruise. He didn't practice yesterday or today. Um, I would be, you know, he he's a guy where, I mean, he he can run some good routes, but speed still is the name of the game for him. And so I don't know if, you know, if his, if his leg is not a hundred percent, I don't know if they necessarily play him. Um, after that, Dante Pettis probably ends up being your, your number two guy. Um, I don't, I don't know how they're going to, you know, they, they could, I, I don't know who will be covering who just because they don't, you know, the Flyers don't have that clear number one guy, but Garcon, right. Garcon is the veteran. So I'm guessing Slay gets him. But, but like I said earlier, Pettis is, is, is a guy that runs some funky routes, um, is a little, he's unconventional basically in the way that he gets open. He's not what, you know, he's going to, he's going to, there's a lot of short area movement to get open. Uh, he was, I think he set the uh, NCAA record for uh, punt return touchdowns which I think is, you know, again, he's a guy that can, you know, yeah, he's a guy that can move well in space um, and can kind of, you know, do a lot of things with his feet. And so he's probably, if Goodwin doesn't play, he's a guy to watch. And I mean, let's just talk about that now, since you brought up punt returns. Um, Obviously the Lions had quite a bit of problem uh, defending the punt return last week. They did essentially fire one of their gunners. Um, what has Dante Pettis shown in that capacity so far? I, I see he only had two for 14 last week. Did he show anything else in the preseason? Uh, he had, I think he had one or two decent punt returns. Um, he, you know, he didn't break any for a touchdown, didn't have any, you know, over like 20 or 30 yards. But, you know, it seems like he's one of those guys that he'll kind of, you know, he, he he's due at some point to, to break out with a big one. And so I, punt returning is hard. I, Unless you're, you know, I'm trying, you know, so unless you're like a Tyree killer, one of those guys that that's just going to, you know, clearly just every time is a threat. It's hard to tell at this such an early stage because it is such a big difference between college and the NFL. Right. There was one other name that you mentioned earlier that I think will draw the ire of just about every Lions fan by the end of the end of the game on Sunday, and that's George Kittle. George Kittle had the potential to have a huge game against Minnesota, and he was like a drop and, and, and some and some other some other nonsense away from from having just a huge statistical game. Do you think that even with these guys that you kind of like in terms of the 49ers, you know, receiving core, do you think that Kittle might end up kind of being, you know, Garoppolo's favorite target over the course of the season? I think so. I mean, just looking last week, he had nine targets. He led the team with nine targets. Pierre Garçon had seven. Trent Taylor had six. Dante Pettis had four. Um, I'm sure that'll change here and there, but no, I think Kittle is definitely because well, and this is where it's interesting is that when Jimmy Garoppolo took over as quarterback, Pierre Garcon was already on injured reserve. So this is their first time playing together in regular season action. So it's hard to really know what you know what to expect from that from that pairing. Um, Garcon, yeah. you know, like I said last week, Kittle had nine targets, Garcon had seven. Um, I think that could rotate a little bit, but I, I mean, 
last year in the second half of the year when Garoppolo came in, Kittle, you know, Kittle really took a step up at that point. So my guess is, yes, Kittle is going to be the guy that ends up uh, being among the lead, you know, the team's leader in targets. All right, last matchup I want to talk about before we get into some predictions is uh, the Lions receivers. We talked a little bit about how deep they are against these 49ers defensive backs. Um, the big question, I think, is who will Richard Sherman cover? And then uh, let's talk about Kenny Galladay as well. He had a, a pretty impressive debut. I think the one thing the Lions did do nicely on Monday night was test the Jets' defensive backs. The Jets' defensive backs, or cornerbacks specifically, were kind of top-heavy. But once they kind of worked through some of their depth, uh, Kenny Galladay was able to create some space. Uh, do the 49ers have the ability, the talent there, to to cover a guy like Kenny Galladay while also taking care of Marvin Jones and Golden Tate? Well, do you, this is something I don't know is um, who who handles the slot work? Or does anybody, you know, is it rotator? It's mostly Tate, but uh, they, they throw a lot of different looks out there. When they're But when they're three wide, I think it's usually Tate. Because basically um, – Quan Williams, K1 Williams, I never know how it's pronounced, is um is the 49ers uh nickelback. So he and he's the guy that primarily works in the slot, and then you've got Akella Witherspoon and Richard Sherman on the outside. Um I think Sherman works the left side primarily, Witherspoon the right side. Um and it seems like it's less matchup based and more whoever's on whichever side. Gotcha. How, how confident are you in Akella Witherspoon in his uh, young career so far? Obviously, he was part of that Richard Sherman summit earlier, so Sherman has a lot of confidence in him. Do you do you share that confidence? Um, I, I have confidence long term. Um, he's the guy okay. that last year, you know, he got kind of tossed in the fire because of injuries and, and and players getting released, and he was solid. He had, you know, as any rookie is going to have, he had his good and his bad moments. Um, I think that we're still at that point. Last week. Um, I forget who had the uh, who had the touchdown, but he. Uh, oh, here we go. It was uh, Stephen Diggs beat him down. You know, beat him deep. Where uh, Witherspoon had great coverage. Um, Kirk Cousins a threw an absolutely perfect pass, but b Witherspoon didn't turn his head, um, and so you know he he just didn't get a hand up. It went right over his right shoulder, uh, right into uh, Stephen Diggs's arms. Um, it was interesting. Uh, I don't know if this is a continual 49ers problem, but Jaquaski Tart, their strong safety, had coverage on Kyle Rudolph. Exact same thing happened where he started turning around after the ball was over his shoulder. So that's something that I'm curious to see if there's any adjustments this week from the coaching staff to like be like, hey, turn your head around. <laughs> seems simple enough, right? I, you know, I'm, it seems I'm not, simple enough. <laughs> I'm not going to judge them because I can't even imagine – Having to run right. down the field against some, you know, six three monster that's running a four five forty, <laughs> while also, oh hey, turn your head around while you're running to guard, you know, come on. Yeah, but see, the thing is, is that I see you on that, and I raise you, Nevin Lawson. Enjoy, <laughs> right. it, watch, watch Nevin Lawson on defense this this week, and be like, does that guy have neck mobility at all whatsoever? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to close out the podcast as we always do. Our first white podcast ends with not a score prediction necessarily, but something we like to call one thing I think I know where you guys just make a prediction. doesn't have to be the final score, but if you want it to be the final score, that's okay too. Um, Ryan, let's start with you since we've missed your voice this past week. Ryan, what's the one thing you think you know? The one thing I think I know, and this is admittedly a really low bar to jump over. Oh, boy. But I know it. Matthew Stafford is not going to turn the ball over four times this week. <laughs> Bold prediction. Look, I 
I I am the guy. You talk about bold predictions. I am your man. Okay. So <laughs> Matthew Stafford is not going to turn the ball over four times this week, and he just will not do it the rest of the season. Uh, the thing that's going to be so critical for the Lions this week is to put themselves in good positions. And and what I mean by that is. I think for the most part, yes, the Lions absolutely were embarrassed by the New York Jets on Monday night. But the Lions really set themselves up to be embarrassed. Their special teams coverage was terrible. Matthew Stafford had maybe one of his worst, if not his worst performance of his you know, NFL career, especially when he's supposed to be the franchise's you know, quarterback. If the Lions put themselves in good positions where they're not letting their defense you know, play against short fields, if they can if they can just manage to put themselves in 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 plus situations i think that you're going to see a different lions team for for the sake of god i i i really hope that it's a different lions team <laughs> it's not so much that you know it's going to be a different lions team you're just praying to god <laughs> that's all i really have david that, that's, that's all, all we ever all really have, have. <laughs> All right, Fooch, why don't you take the reins? What's the one thing you think you know about Sunday's game? Oh, man. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo won't throw three interceptions? No, you know, I'm looking at it, and my I'll, I'll kind of go two ways with this. Initially, my thought was, okay, DeForest Buckner's going to have at least one more sack. But, you know, I mean, the, the Lions' offensive line and pass protection wasn't that awful, it feels like. No sacks. No sacks. I mean. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to say that I think George Kittle has a touchdown and I'm going to go with 80 yards receiving. Okay. Okay. I think, I think, I think that's where, you know, we're going to see him break through because against the, uh, against the Vikings, a, he dropped that one pass where he had about 40 yards of open green in front of him. And then um, later uh, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew him in the end zone. Um, he, you know, he joked if he was about 25 pounds lighter, he could have gotten it. But uh, yeah, I think that I think we see uh, we see Kittle get in the end zone. I, I, it looks like last week the, uh, the 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 Lions were not great against tight ends. Um, it looks like that that's an area they got to work on. So yeah, sure. uh, last year, so I'm, I think that that I think Kittle's gonna Kittle's gonna do some work. Booch, forever and for always, the Lions need to work on covering tight ends. <laughs> a tale as old as time. Uh, the the one thing I think I know about this game is that the Lions' sackless streak is going to end. Unfortunately, um, I just we were just talking about it. Um, not only do I think DeForest Buckner over rookie Frank Ragnow is terrifying, uh, because if we're being honest, Ragnow's debut was not great. He didn't give up a sack, but he gave up a handful of pressures. Uh, but the loss of TJ Lang is going to hurt this team. It really is. Uh, uh, we saw flashes of it during the preseason because TJ Lang didn't play in the preseason. And we saw what Kenny Wiggins and Joe Dahl have to offer. And it's not good. And this is a bad week to have a not good player on your offensive line. So I think the Stafford gets sacked a couple times this game. I do think he's going to look better still because he can't look worse. But that is the one thing that I think I know. All right, to, to close things out, Fooch, why don't you tell us where we can find your work, what you do, your Twitter handle, all of the above. Go promote yourself. What you got? Well, you know, NinersNation.com will be plenty busy uh, gearing up for the game. Um, we'll actually – one of our guys is writing a uh, – he wrote an offensive preview of the, of the Lions today. 
and he's going to write uh, an, a defensive preview tomorrow. I'm always curious how Lions fans feel about it um, when another, you know, well, well, how any team feels about it, their fan base feels when another team attempts to sort of preview what they see on film. Um, you can follow me on Niners Nation. Um, and David Fucillo is my personal Twitter account, D-A-V-I-D-F-U-C-I-L-L-O. Um, it's, you know, we I talk a lot of gambling there, so... Oh, oh! You just perked well, Ryan's ears up. Get my phone out right here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before Ryan spends all of his bovada money, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Foosh, for joining us, and uh, we will hear from you guys. We will, you will hear from us actually next week, probably around Monday. Join us then. For then, until then. Good night. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.